You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Marissa McCullough Peck, the director of the dance costume shop at UNC's School of the Arts, who previously worked at the costume department at the American Girl Theater in New York City. Marissa grew up in North Carolina, where she had a strong passion for the arts in addition to her love for AG, and she was able to blend the worlds together in the early days of her career. We are so excited to have her join us in conversation today. Marissa, welcome to AGW. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so excited to have you, Marissa, because obviously you're speaking with us today because you're an American Girl fan, but you also have a very unique connection to the franchise, which we're going to get into. But we are so excited to be able to chat. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to reminisce about everything American Girl. Marissa, we are so excited to chat with you today and hear all about your experiences working with the American Girl Theater in New York. We had chatted earlier in the year with Ashley May, who is an actress at the American Girl Theater in Chicago. So we are absolutely thrilled to hear some more behind the scenes info from you, especially from the perspective from the costume department. But before we get into your work with American Girl, what were you like growing up? I was an only child until I was about eight years old. So I was very imaginative and kind of in my pretend play world a lot. Um, And so um, I, yeah, I think I just spent a lot of time like creating kind of these pretend worlds or scenarios um, and you know, with, with dolls or just in my imagination, I was very, I mean, the trendy word would be cottage core. I just, you know, (laughs) I just was very into like fairies and nature and that whole kind of thing. So yeah, a lot of pretend play and kind of world creating Wow, as a child. Yeah. Uh, Bring us back to the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Were you also into like different activities or hobbies other than yeah so (laughs) this is like a whole nother subject but um that people find fascinating but my parents were both actually professional ballet dancers oh wow (laughs) yeah so that kind of ties into my current career but I grew up in a theater I just was always in a rehearsal room or literally at the theater or backstage or um, under a piano coloring or something like that. And like I said, I was an only child until I was eight. So I often just was with my parents wherever they were. So that just naturally kind of led me into dancing and singing and acting and all of that. So most of my after school curricular activities were involved around theater, theater performance, but I also really enjoyed visual art, drawing, and I always was in some sort of art class. So the arts in general. Yeah. Oh (laughs) my goodness. That's incredible. Did you grow up dancing as well? Yeah. I didn't know there was anything else to do for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the world that I was in. So I just participated. Um, And it wasn't until I was Probably in like the fourth grade actually is when I did my first community theater um, show with a friend and it just kind of like opened up my eyes and I was like, oh, there's other ways to be involved in the theater besides ballet, which I enjoyed. But yeah, so that kind of opened my eyes to all the different ways that you could be involved Wow. It's so wonderful that you were able to find your own sort of niche within that, because I think it's so easy when we're young to be really molded by, you know, what our parents are interested in and what their hopes and 
desires are for them themselves as well as for us. And, um, you know, like I know, for example, when I was a kid, my dad and I did Taekwondo together for a number of years <laughs> and yeah. he really wanted me to be as into it as he was. He was like a black belt and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And it just wasn't like for me long-term, I ended up switching to dance, but you know, I think it's great, like as a kid, when you, you sort of take what adults give you, and then you're able to say, okay, I like this, but you know what, like, there's something else I love more. So it's, it's yeah. wonderful that you were able to discover that, that passion pretty early yeah. on. Well, I think I also had the unique perspective of knowing at a young age, how incredibly hard you had to work to be successful in mm. those various genres. I mean, not to skip ahead in time too much, but when I decided that I didn't want to be a performer, I felt like I was very educated in that decision because I, you know, I really knew like you have to really want it and you have to work so hard to be successful. Right. And so I think I was able to recognize that I didn't have the drive in that specific area that I would need to be successful as far as it being a career. It's still an interest, still do community theater, but yeah, I made a decision early on to have the performance aspect of it not be my career. Right. Yeah. You really came at it with such an informed uh, decision and right. knowledge behind it. <laughs> That's so impactful. Yeah. Well, segueing into the American Girl of it all, because American Girl also has a lot in common with imagination, playing mm -hmm. pretend, performance. Mm -hmm. What is your earliest memory of American Girl from around this time? And how were you first exposed to it? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not sure exactly what age I was. I was definitely young, but I got Samantha for Christmas from my grandmother. I think wow. that's probably <laughs> a, a somewhat common, you know, getting them obviously for, you know, a significant celebration, birthday or holiday. Um, so my grandmother was a very avid doll collector on her own. And so I think she must have heard about them or maybe received a catalog herself. And then I think because I had dark brown hair, she got Samantha for me. And um, so, yeah, it was really, um, at first, it was really just a, a connection with my grandmother and I, you know, she would get me the dolls and, you know, the accessories and it was something that we could share together. So I think that's how it started, but I don't think she knew <laughs> what she was really starting with all of that because <laughs> yeah but um yeah it was so new and they were so beautiful and so well made and those catalogs were just like diving into you know another world there was something so special about when you had to get them not at a store <laughs> right and it was like a secret and when you found somebody else that liked it too it was like oh my god you know about this too like I'm obsessed with my doll you know whatever and so then it was all it was just almost like this little secret yes um, yeah we haven't know? really we haven't really talked about that much I feel like with our guests but now that you mentioned that it really brings up a lot of feelings that I remember having as a a kid, and I'm sure a lot of people did too, where, yes, because you weren't going into a store and your parent or grandparent or whoever was ordering items for you had to like call, that made it seem such a, like such a big deal. Um, yeah. And it was that you literally couldn't get it in the store and that almost like created a sense of prestige, I feel like in my mind. Absolutely. It. Right? Yeah, 100%. There's like a certain specialness with that. And I think even like in the past, like few, I don't know, 10 years, we even saw that, right. With like Glossier and their DTC strategy, right. Like you could only purchase it 
through their website. And it kind of creates this like really strong tie to a brand. Like you feel more invested in it. Like you're in on something perhaps. Like the grassroots, when it's, like the beginning. Yeah, like, exactly. Like I you was can't there get at just, the beginning. Yeah. Exactly. Like you can't get it from just anywhere. Like I am really fascinated by that with American Girl. And I, I don't think we have considered that before. But yeah, that's really interesting. When you got your yeah. Samantha, were did you have friends that had already been exposed to it? No, I didn't know of anyone else um, that had them or was interested in them until my childhood best friend got Felicity. And I think she got it because I had Samantha and, and Molly and Kirsten probably by that point as well. And so we would always play with them at my house. And so when I do very clearly remember when she got Felicity, it was a big deal like for us as a friendship, like to have, I would take mine to her house or she would bring hers to my house. And that was definitely a big deal when somebody else had one. Before your friend got Felicity, how are you playing with your dolls? Like we talk a lot about the setup and the outfits for AG, but I'm especially curious to hear your take on this, Marissa, as you were surrounded by costumes growing up, which then led into your career. Was there any foreshadowing there with your AG experience? I mean, because I do think it was more of that than like, how are you today? I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Like, right. like I did with more like with Barbies. It was more like setting them up for a scene that the scene didn't actually happen. Maybe <laughs> like <laughs> it was more like getting Samantha in her complete birthday outfit with like the table and the pedophores set up like, and you get it just right. And then I was like, well, now I'm not going to touch it. Cause I got it just right. <laughs> so <laughs> she's just going to sit there. I'm going to look at her. Um, But, you know, so I think it was more almost like a physical manifestation of like your imagination of like of the books. Right. I I think is what I felt like with them. So I feel like I was often considering a scene from one of the books when I was kind of dressing them, setting them in a certain way or for a certain holiday, you know, when it's spring, I put on all the spring outfits. When it's fall, I put on all the school outfits. Yeah. Holidays, the holiday outfits, you know, so right. set them all up. So um, I think it was more about kind of just reliving the scenes from the books in my that's, mind. That's such a good point. I don't know how, cause I feel like there was the same experience I had And I don't know how people who weren't into the books, which is like not very many people who have American Girl dolls are not into the books. Like, I think they go hand in hand. But like, if you're not reading the books, then like, how do you know the significance of the the outfits and stuff? Right. Which I I honestly wonder if that is some of the reason why the interest in historical dolls has waned. Great point. Yeah, that's such a valid point because like you know with the newer dolls and Lindsay and I were talking about this recently because the 90s dolls that just came out um the books are much shorter and not as many and not as like segmented into different vignettes I think Mm. so that's a really good point about how you know potentially the lack of interest in the historic books sort of has the dolls losing some of their mm-hmm. their lore, if you will. Yeah, right. Yeah. Through no fault of their own, I, I might add. <laughs> right. And such a strong right. association for myself, at least, was, you know, learning history through these books. And, you know, I find it kind of interesting and a, a, maybe a strange decision for the new dolls that came out representing the 90s, um, Nikki and Isabel, you aren't able to purchase their books separately from the dolls. Like you have to have the dolls to get the book, which I think is kind of like a a miss, right? Like thinking back to when I was growing up, like I didn't have any of the dolls except for Felicity, but I read all of their stories multiple times over, whether I was checking the books out from the library or I owned the books or I was, you know, switching them with my friends. And to not have that same access, you know, if, I mean, I don't know how educational the books are at this point, which is what, you know, I think 
was so captivating about them and learning history. Like, but it's interesting that the book wasn't sold separate. I mean, I could be mistaken. I thought that the meat books only came with the dolls and that you could purchase the subsequent ones individually. But maybe I could be at, wrong about that. Yeah, maybe at a time. I I have all of the meat books from other dolls that I okay. didn't have. But maybe when but then they maybe, first launched or... Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know either. I'm just like, you know, thinking out loud um, yeah. what the reasoning might be behind that. I took um I took a lot of the other books out of the library, but what I was wondering was, and I think the answer is no, but the outfits that were tied to a book, so another way that American Girl is making like the consumption rather of a new outfit for your doll is centered around a story from the book. For some reason, I feel like anytime I got a new outfit, I got the corresponding book, but I don't think that those automatically came together. I think that that must have just been like whoever was getting them for me felt like that was the right thing to do, but I feel like they were sold separately. Yeah, that's so nice that they did that for you, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I agree. I have every every outfit that I have, I have the corresponding book for as yes. well. I don't think I think aside from like the specialty outfits that came later, like in the catalogs, like the ones that weren't for specific dolls, but like that were more like current. Mm-hmm. Is that the mm-hmm. word? I don't know what I'm yeah, trying, like the word the girl I'm trying of to say, today but you know outfits. Yeah. Oh yes, girl of today. Thank you. Um yeah, aside from those, like I think everything that I have for the historical characters, I have a corresponding book. But again, like, yeah, it might've just been like my grandma or my mom being like, well, she needs the outfit to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) The book is the script for the outfit, honestly. That's exactly the, that's exactly what it is, you know, and it all transitions into theater so perfectly. Like just the setup of that whole situation, just yeah, lends itself to theatrical production. Should we segue into, Bursa, how you got involved with American Girl later in life after, you know, your era of of loving dolls and you were still able to connect with the franchise? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I went to college in New York City for musical theater. I went to Marymount Manhattan College and While I was there, it became clear to me that I um, really wanted to transition my career focus to costuming. Um, And so after graduation, I did a lot of work all around the city in every aspect of costuming that you can do. Um, And I think it was about um, a year after I graduated college, a friend of mine was working as a stage manager at the American Girl Theater in the American Girl Place, New York. Now, at this point, I had not even been to the store. I wasn't aware that there was a theater inside the store. So when she told me, hey, we're looking for a new wardrobe supervisor for our show, I think you should apply for the position. I was like, what? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) I was like, oh my God. And I tried to stay calm about it, but I was freaking out. I was like, if... I don't get this job. I'm going to be so upset because it just sparked all of those childhood emotions and connections to, to the dolls and to the books. And I was so, I don't know if I've ever been so nervous for an an, an interview before. And I've, I've worked for some pretty big companies. Um, So, but I, I remember walking up to the store and going up to the third floor where the theater was and you go through the main floor and it's all the girls of today and everything that you go up the elevator and um, it was the whole floor of the historical dolls and went up the elevator again. And it was the cafe and the theater. And Oh my God, I just, I was trying to keep cool, but I was really freaking out. I was really excited. Yeah. I mean, what an experience that I don't blame you. I freaked out about going to the American Girl store just for fun, let alone for (laughs) the opportunity of a lifetime. Seriously. What a dream. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, I just really, um, really hoped that I got the job. And I, I, I do think that my, interest in the dolls and my excitement 
about being there was probably one of the things that got me the job because, I mean, why wouldn't you want to hire someone who was qualified, but also a fan, you know, I mean, just, so um, I got the job and I was still pretty young. I was only probably like 25, I think when I got this job. And so it was first, my first, um, Man, I was excited about the paycheck too. I got health insurance. <laughs> I mean, Mattel, Mattel is a great company to work for. They've won lots of awards, and I just gotten engaged at this point too. So I was like, I am set. I'm never working anywhere else in my life. I'm working here until I die. I have health insurance. I get to work with all these dolls and for Mattel, and like it was just a dream come true. Yeah, it really was. I loved every second of working there and it was devastating when they closed us but we'll get to that later but um I still say it's my favorite job I've ever had I mean talk about like such a natural trajectory and this is why I was like this is a perfect segue from you know the dolls and the stories behind them informing the clothing and the significance of it like you're 100% correct in that you know you were very well positioned to come into this role being like that you already had such a sophisticated and like caring understanding of what the clothes meant in significance to the doll stories or the characters rather if we're talking about the play format so I mean to me it's like what a perfect opportunity for you that's what it was it was wonderful yeah now what were the shows exactly that were Mm -hmm. taking place did it mirror the Chicago theater with the American Girls Review and Circle of Friends? Yep. So when I was there, we were performing Circle of Friends. And I'm not sure that Chicago and New York were doing the same shows at the same time, but they did the same like ones if they were doing them like Circle of Friends. So the whole time I was there was Circle of Friends in New York. So I was there all of like 2006 and 2007. And then we also did a Biddy Bear show on certain days. Yes. (gasps) Full body suits, what? Biddy Bear, Biddy Kitty, and Biddy Puppy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. So, we love Biddy Bear. We love mm-hmm. Biddy Bear so much. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Yes. And so it would be, um, I think we only did those on weekend mornings, like Saturday and sun- maybe Sunday mornings, or maybe it was Friday and Saturday mornings. Um, and they were like an early show. They were like I don't know, like at 10 or something like that. Um, and so we did those and then we did the holiday show um, at holiday time as well. Mm-hmm. So some weeks during the holidays, we would have a Biddy Bears matinee Two, no, we'd have like three circle of friends, three or four circle of friends, and then a holiday show on the same day. Wow, that is a yeah, lot very, of a lot of very organized, shows. controlled chaos. So I mean, like, wow. let me tell you, this was a well-run machine. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness, what was your day-to-day like? Yeah. So as the wardrobe supervisor, I um, had a couple of different responsibilities. Number one was making sure all of the costumes looked good, right? So from steaming and ironing and doing repairs. Um, refitting children as they aged through to Mm. different costumes or different characters. Um, And it also involved the cleaning. So, um, you know, washing all of the costumes in between shows. Um, It also included, um, there were two or three other wardrobe people and a wig stylist that were on my team. So we all coordinated um, because I didn't always do the wardrobe of the show like the actual change quick changes and things with the dancers as the supervisor sometimes I was doing like office work and receipts and ordering things and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff so I had other people that ran the show occasionally um and um but I also loved to run the show so I did that as well they were about I want to say they were about 45 minutes long and we would usually do two like back to back with the same performers then there would be a break and then we would do one or two more with a different set of performers because of child labor laws. Um, So sometimes you had really quick turnover resetting the show in like 15 minutes for a new seating of the next house or whatever. Just to paint the picture a bit, Mm -hmm. how big was the theater in New York? Like how many people were able to see a show? 
I want to say it was like 300 seats, something like that. But That's pretty big. I, I don't know for sure, but that would be my guess. Um, yeah. yeah, it was considered an off-Broadway theater. How many cast members did you have in the show? I'm sure there are multiple rotating casts. I would say that there were probably somewhere between 60 to 80 girls on roster that would rotate through about... You know, I'm not 100% sure now I can, like how many exactly <laughs> girls were on stage, but I want to say it was six, maybe eight, something like that on in the show. Um, and then we had adult performers as well. We had two female and one male adult performer who played all of the like parents or Aunt Cornelia mm-hmm. or Tia Dolores or whatever. I would say that there were about like 12 performers in a show. Wow. I mean, that is that that is a lot of costumes to manage, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was more like the costumes, we pretty much had a small, medium and large for like every single costume. And that was more like about height than anything else. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, this is also when I got really good at learning people's names. <laughs> like I am really good at remembering people now. And I work at a university and our program has over 300 answers. And I would, I'd strongly say, I know probably like three quarters of them wow. by name. Um, and people are amazed by that. But this is where I got it from <laughs> working at AG, like totally. Because again, like if in that turnover between the two casts of girls, I'd have to reset everything. So I would be, there got to a point where I could just look at a list of names and know exactly what size I need to pull of each costume to like put in my basket and the shoes. Now the shoes were crazy because they did not share shoes. So we had like a wall of shoes. So I'd have to go through and like pick out their sneakers or their saddle shoes for the (laughs) finale and like get them set and Yeah. So I got really fast and really quick at kind of learning and memorizing like people's names and also just kind of like remembering general body shapes, like with a person's name, which still serves me very well. But um, that's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when the kids are growing. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so I think Ashley, I think she touched on this too, where more so than growing, they they would tend to grow into another character is kind of like mm-hmm. what would happen more often than just like a certain character aging. Like it was more like, oh, once you got older, you kind of like played this other oh, character yes. um, to a degree. Now that wasn't always the case, but I think some were like slightly more vocally challenging. So sometimes the younger girls didn't play those roles. Um, some were like more emotionally challenging or had like more lines and things like that. So there were certain roles that were kind of considered like a little bit more of a responsibility that people kind of aged into. So I didn't often have to like change their costume for them in the same character. It was more like, oh, now you get to be this additional character on a different night. So now you get to be fit in the Josefina costume where before you were in the Felicity costume or whatever. And like Ashley mentioned too, you know, they played multiple roles. I mean, some of these girls by the time they were graduating they um you know we're playing four or five different roles on any given night they could be playing any different character with any uh, with any other combination of kids from like the 60 kid roster I mean it was pretty nuts I've never seen anything like it (laughs) yeah that's a lot for anybody to handle let alone like kids for sure making it challenging um these kids were not ordinary children I was And they're not ordinary adults now either. (laughs) They are amazing, talented performers. Um, uh, Still many of them, many on Broadway right now from AGNY. So yeah, I can think of a couple off the top of my head. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. Wow. Now, as far as the costumes go, were they changing up the costumes? Because I'm assuming it was pretty consistent across all the theaters, but Did they change up the costumes ever throughout your tenure there? No, it pretty much remained unchanged because there was a costume designer who I sadly don't know who that was now. Um, I can't think of who they are, but um, there was a costume designer and you pretty much once a show kind of opens in a theater, you don't tend to change the designs really at all. So yeah, and and they didn't look 
exactly, you know, like the dolls. It was kind of more this idea that they were playing dress up with things mm-hmm. that they had. But I would say that the adult characters were more of like the real world. And then the kids would kind of like pull like a skirt and a shawl from like a dress up box and like enter mm-hmm. into this world of whichever character they were playing. So the adults actually had the much more historically accurate book accurate costumes. Okay. Um, Yeah. And we had crazy quick changes because it would be like, because it was the same three adults in all the scenes. So like one kid is talking about Felicity and then the adult goes off stage and there's just like a little bit of transitional chatter for us to do this, like these crazy quick changes where she would completely, change completely from like wig like corset dress and then into like kaya beaded with moccasins and a black wig and then like just constantly like quick change after quick change after quick change um which is actually really fun wow (laughs) oh my god what are like tricks to doing a quick change staying calm um it's (laughs) it's a choreography like anything else in a show um and just the more consistent you stay and the 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 less you kind of stray from the predetermined you know steps right um the better it would go and we would know between actors down to like who would step with their left foot first versus like their right foot or who you know, like to put their wig on first before the shawl or who like to do it the opposite way. So we kind of had, yeah. you know, our own method which e- with each actor. Um, and yeah, it's just about staying calm. But a, a wardrobe person, like or a dresser in theater, that is like one of our main jobs, though, is just like keeping the performers calm, making them know that like everything is going to be okay. And like the costume is just <laughs> is a part of it. But really, it's about just kind of like being there with them and making it go seamless so that they can just focus on what they need to be doing on stage and they trust that you're going to be taking care of everything else. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. <laughs> this is like such a, for like, you know, the length of the show being 45 minutes, the level of detail and everything that they thought of was, is so impressive. Um And, you know, I wish that they still had this option available at the American Girl store today but you know I know a lot of their stores are getting smaller and moving to new locations and it just seems like they're headed in a different direction but did you get to keep any fun souvenirs from your time in this role no I wish that I did so um well I have a couple of like little things not from like the show but from ag in general you know um i have one of the um tap finale costumes a doll size one not a human size one um so they had like you could buy in the gift shop one to match the performers um so i have that um and it's like a little purple and white tap outfit with a little headband that's pink that has white stars on it so that's definitely one of my more like prized possessions. Like that gives me the good feels, you know, yeah. when I look at it. I also made a photo. This was like in the early days of like digital cameras and like Shutterfly and things like that, you know. So I made like a closing book kind of like for all the kids and all the people oh, wow. that work there. And it was just like three or four pages of like black and white photos of just like some memories and stuff. But so I have that and I have a circle of friends CD uh, that that's pretty much it. But it was it was hard there at the end because we all had to stick around and like dismantle the theater and everything. I'm talking I'm talking like we unscrewed the floors of the stage oh my goodness. and everything. Wow. Yeah. Oh my it was, God, that's so sad. It was sad, but it it was also like a nice closure to a degree because, I mean, another thing I haven't even gotten into talking about with you guys is just what an incredible women-run place this theater was. We, I think, sorry, there was one man who worked for us. He was the um, sound (laughs) engineer, but everybody else from the music director, the director, the stage managers, wardrobe, like almost every everybody else was female. And so um, it was just a very strong, powerful female energy. And we just all 
loved each other and lifted each other up and, and the girls, you know, we just cared for them so much. And it was very, very important to the employees of the theater to be good role models and to be good examples and to be good friends for the girls, for the performers. So we were very bonded. Um, So it was, it it was actually a nice kind of cathartic, like closure for all Mm -hmm. of the grownups to kind of get to take everything apart and like kind of see it slowly come down so we could kind of say, okay, we're done. Oh, that's so poetic, but it's so nice to hear that it was such a positive experience of working there, especially as, you know, a very like female driven workforce there. Um, You know, that's, that's everything you hope is true about a place like American Girl. Marissa, could you tell us a little bit more about life backstage? It was a place where there were no phones, where there was, you know, nothing like that. It was all about being focused on your job because they were getting paid. This was a professional gig for these girls. Focus on your job, focus on being a kid in that moment. Yep. There was no, I also remember that we had to make a rule though when, because Frozen 1 came out while I was working there and everyone was singing it like constantly. All the girls <laughs> were singing, let it go. So we, and we had to make a rule that no one could sing, let it go. Um, oh, and we, <laughs> we also had to make a rule that no one could um, talk about Harry Potter. Cause like the books were still coming out while I was there. Yeah. Like some of the later books and like <laughs> nobody could bring Harry Potter in and nobody could talk about Harry Potter. So like Harry Potter and Frozen were like, <laughs> like banned. That <laughs> is so, so funny. funny. Yeah. Now I feel like it would be like TikTok dances would be banned. Oh my gosh, you're so right. (laughs) Oh my God. But how funny would that be? I would love to follow like an American Girl Theater account on TikTok and like the behind the scenes. I would would be be there in a flash. I I would be follow immediately. Um, So true. One other funny anecdote that um, from the time there is that because there were so many girls, every day of the year was somebody's birthday. So we had like this unlimited supply of like magnolia cupcakes and like really nice like desserts just like constantly like coming through the theater for people's birthday celebrations that we had to make a rule that they weren't allowed to bring sweets like for to celebrate people's birthdays because all of the AG staff was like (laughs) everybody was like gaining weight from like all of the cupcakes like they were just <laughs> constant cupcakes and cakes oh my god for people's birthdays that we had to make a rule that was like okay no more you cannot bring any more cupcakes because they just sit and we would have to eat them wow. <laughs> oh my gosh yes of course you have to eat them yeah. if they're there right? something else I want to be sure to talk about too is like another really amazing part of working there that was a part of my job was um special events I loved when we would have special events in the store, um, particularly when they started celebrating the historical dolls' birthdays in Mm. the stores. So this started to happen maybe like the last year that I worked there where they would, it would um, be the day of the dolls, you know, character's birthday. And one of our performers would dress in her historical outfit and walk around the store and take pictures with girls or like Addie, like made ice cream with the girls or, you know, just like different things like that. And they would make a big deal. And like, she'd stand there and there'd be a whole big thing where everyone would sing happy birthday. And um, yeah, so that's one of the only times actually where we did have them wear the actual like girl size version of the doll's costume. So interesting. I was curious to know what like the interaction was between the store itself and the theater, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's interesting to hear how like the two kind of blended together. Definitely. And um, we did a lot of that kind of thing, like walkabouts in the store, Um, you know, before or after, I think Ashley talked about like the the signing, um, the autographs after. And um, we also did events outside of the theater and outside of the store as well. So we would sing, um, there would be girls that would sing, um, you know, before a Rockette show or they'd sing the national anthem at a Yankees game or um, yeah, different things like that. And so I would also get to style their looks for that, which would be 
Yeah. So we would basically, I'd basically get to shop a look from the, um, from the store, from like the clothing section of the store and they would all wear like their little AG outfit and we'd go on really fun little field trips with the girls. That's so cool. That sounds so fun. Oh, and having like the store's clothing at your disposal must have been (laughs) such a fun way to get to style them too. It really was. And I'd always be like, can I get a matching outfit? (laughs) But no, I wasn't allowed to. You had to wear black as an employee there uh, at all times. So, um, but yeah, the store, I I got the sense that the rest of the store and the rest of the employees um, really enjoyed having us there. And any time that the employees from other areas of the store got to interact with the theater, it was always like a really fun, positive experience. We got to do things in the cafe. I got fed so many cafe meals while I worked there. It was the bomb. I loved the pudding and the little <laughs> flower jar. Oh my God. It yes. My fave. So good. It's really interesting to hear about all of these opportunities outside of the theater itself. There are so many things like from going to these huge corporate events and you know what, cause I was also there when they released um, 70s girl, Julie. Julie. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that was like a huge deal. And we had like a huge event around that. Cool. Um, I got to go to a screening of the of the kit movie. We had a huge oh, wow. thing about that. The girl who plays Felicity's friend, the actress, <laughs> Catherine Henney, was one of our performers. Mm. So oh she goodness. Whoa. Yeah, so she, she had a lot of fans. Wow. And this was like before Insta and all of that. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like now. But um, so she always had people waiting for her at the door. Like she was our little mini celebrity. That oh, is so wow. cool. Was she That's there? So cool. When did the movie come out in relation to when? Yeah, she was, she was already a performer. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> was there from like eight to 18. She was oh like, whoa. Yeah. She did That's, like every role. Wow, eight to yeah. eighteen. Yeah, wow. there are a couple of them that did like all the shows, all the characters. That's so um, cool. You know, and she was one of them. And she went to like the professional children's school. A lot of these kids were homeschooled. Like these kids were professionals. That is <laughs> wow. amazing. Like oh my god. Agents and famous parents. And I mean, in New York, it was pretty you know, we had famous guests constantly, celebrities I with their children. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes so much sense. Wow. Backstage tours, meet the cast, special things wow. all the time. Ugh. So like I said, I've met a lot of celebrities. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure you have being in New York. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being in Chicago, I feel like that's the flagship store. But in New York, you're like so close to Broadway and like oh, yeah, you're right on the of- Avenue. Yeah, tons of shows that like film in New York too. I'm mm-hmm. sure like we're bringing their kids around. Oh right. my god, I have like so many stories, and like also like we're right next to um, St. Paul's Cathedral, and the Pope came one time, and <sighs> so you had to have like high clearance like to be able to come into the store because the Pope was like right next door, oh my god. and you had to have a special pass like whenever a parade was going on Fifth Avenue, you had to have like mm-hmm. a special pass to get in like all kinds of crazy stuff. So (laughs) yeah, it was just a general all around wholesome, fabulous time. And yeah, it was too good to last, I guess. But yeah, we miss it. We miss it. Have the cast and crew gotten together over the years for reunions? We did have subsequently for a few years, and Ashley may have mentioned this too, like we had like reunion picnics. Um, I don't know yeah like with all the employees mm-hmm. and the girls like central park we'd all like get together bring blankets and food and and hang out and we did that for like maybe like three years after closing that's really that's nice so. that you were able to yeah. come together with everyone do you have any memories of your very last day at the american girl theater like i said we were on the third floor and then you have to take all these escalators our last moment we were literally like walking out with like our boxes in our hands oh. with like our stuff, you know. Um, but the whole store stopped and every single employee came out on the floor and clapped for us. Oh my goodness. Oh. As we went down the escalators and like walked out the door and everything. Oh. Yeah. Wait, that's it was like so we were amazing. Like, I was ugly crying, like hysterical oh. crying. We were like all like holding hands, like 
it's gonna be okay we're gonna get through this oh Oh, my gosh I'm glad they gave everybody a nice send-off though yeah it was it was nice but I was also kind of like right just just so emotional like it's not too late you don't have to you do know. this yeah like, oh. no we can still we can still go back like it's mm-hmm. fine right um, what was next for you after yeah AG? depression first <laughs> um no like I'm kind of joking but I was really sad like yeah naturally. I, sure and like I said I had just gotten engaged and I was like yes like health insurance and like I, I mentioned that more than once but like it was a big deal Back then you got cut off at 21, you know, from your parents. So yeah, so it took a little while to kind of like get the motivation to kind of, you know, like figure out what was next. It's like anything when change happens, it's scary at first. And then you realize that it's a catalyst for you to do something hard, you know, to like push yourself. So yeah, so that pretty much right after that, well, I'd say like, yeah, maybe five or six months after we closed is when I started working at the Met. So I just plucked up my courage and went and wow. turned in my resume. And actually, I started working for American Valley Theater first, but they were performing at the Metropolitan Opera House when I started for them. And then a lot of people kind of do both because once you kind of know the theater, it's like a lot of the same people. Um, so yeah, I worked at Lincoln Center for five years, pretty much like nonstop, just like. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. That's so cool too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh my it goodness. was it was cool. And I worked with the kids there a lot too, which is interesting. So like they have they're a similar kind of breed because there are all these kids that in the children's chorus that want to be professional opera singers. Right. So a lot of them again are homeschooled or go to professional children's school and they're like freaking performing solos on the Metropolitan Opera stage at like eleven. Oh, wow. God, that's that's so impressive. Like, where to do me. you go from here? But honestly. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So, um, and then I had my youngest daughter while I was working at the Met. And then I just like pretty much decided once I had kids that I was like done with the city Mm -hmm. and with um, that lifestyle. So the university where I, where I work is also the university where my parents work. And I knew that like, I wouldn't have to sacrifice like my professional quality of work, like that it was Mm -hmm. a very high quality professional grade productions that were done there, you know? So um, definitely. And also like, you know, a nice place to grow up suburban North Carolina. And it's like a very artistic town, a very artistic community um, here. So yeah. Yeah. And you get to be close by to them, which is nice. Um, Yeah. I feel like when you have kids, so Mm -hmm. that's honestly, it all worked out. Do you feel like having worked for the brand in a capacity like that has made you sort of retain your interest in American Girl maybe longer as an adult? Like, I know that American Girl is kind of having a nostalgia moment right now, but aside from that, is it something that you feel like you kept your interest in after you stopped working there? Well, I think it certainly helped bridge a gap between me as a child and me having children of my own, you know, um, mm-hmm. it kind of filled that time in between there. Um, cause I had my youngest daughter when I was 31 and I worked for AG from 25 to 27. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think that my love for AG, you know, or for the girls ever went anywhere. It just, um, you know, obviously it's like not your priority when you're a teenager or like a young mm-hmm. adult, but, um, right. You know, I'm I'm certainly someone who um, has always seen the value that I got from being involved with with that whole era. I mean, I've learned I learned so many lessons. Um, I think it was just really a wonderful way to thoughtfully think about your friendships, to think about your privilege, to think about diversity. I mean, right. all of those things were being kind of subconsciously, you know, fed to me through through those wonderful books. And so I'm just so thankful for that. And yeah, I was just so happy to be a part of it. And I hope that I also made a positive impact on the girls that I worked with during that time. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you did. Have you introduced your own daughters to American Girl? Like, are they experiencing the brand with the same interest as you had growing up? It's funny, they go through phases, you know, they definitely aren't 
into it the same way that I was. But every now and then, well, my dolls live at my mother's house now. We live like two minutes away from my mother. So we're there a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they have like full access to them. Some of them are more fragile than others. So we don't play with them quite as much. Poor Kirsten's arm fell off recently. So she's got a visit to the hospital coming up. But yeah, so, you know, I, I try, but I... And I talk about my experiences a lot. And yeah, so I don't know. I don't want to push it on them, but you know, I they don't seem, yeah, I don't think that they're quite as into it as I was. But again, it felt it felt so one of a kind at, right. our, at the time. And I don't think much of anything feels one of a kind to children these days. Yeah. So that's, it's that's an interesting point. Such are a you, great point. Yeah. Are you sharing the books with them as well? Again, I have tried. Um, and every now and then I'll see one of them kind of like thumbing through it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things to do was look at the, the pictures, the little portraits yes. of all of the characters at the beginning. So every now and then I see um, my younger daughter kind of like looking through and going, you know, identifying them and saying their name. And so I, I, and she's six. So I'm thinking there might still be a little bit. Now it's interesting. You said Taekwondo earlier because mm-hmm. um, my older daughter is a black belt in Taekwondo and she's very sporty. Um, so she's a little more into babysitters club. I think she identifies with the Christie character a little bit yeah. there. Oh, I'm happy to yeah. hear that babysitters club is still right. thriving. So I'm like <laughs> totally fine with that. I'm like, okay, you go on with your babysitters club thing. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that is all good. I can support that as well. They're sort of finding their own niche with their interests, just like yeah. you did when you were a kid with your interests. And I think, yeah. yeah, like to your point, American Girl felt very one of a kind when we were kids. And I think Talking about what American Girl is now, it's just so different in the many ways that you can still engage with it, but it definitely, I think, has a different vibe. And then if you also take into consideration all the things there are to offer kids these days, it's it's almost overwhelming to think about. So yeah, um, yeah I, I feel mean, like we were lucky because we were part of almost like a golden age era of American really, Girl. Really, really were. And you know, even thinking about, again, how it ties back to the costume aspect of things. Um, You know, when we were kids, you couldn't just order a costume for any character like you can now. So it was much more of if you were going to get the actual costume for a child, like a child size costume from the catalog, that was wow. And then, but also if you were going to make one with the patterns, like that's what my mom and I did. And so again, like one, once I kind of became a costumer, there were all of these things from my childhood that really ticked so many things. I'm like, oh, of course I'm interested in this because I poured over um, patterns and fabrics in, you know, like even for Halloween costumes, you know, it was like everything was much more homemade because mm-hmm. you couldn't order it. So right. when, you know, so I think that there was just something so one of a kind again ab- about about that. It just felt so much more um yeah, I, intimate isn't the right word, but it it was like just very like I don't know. Yeah, it, it not something that everybody else had. And um my daughters recently had, you know, they have those like dress as your favorite book character day. Well, I always dressed as Felicity. Because I had <laughs> my mom um, and I had made her Christmas um, dress for me. And oh my so goodness. that's incredible. And so I just wore that thing any chance I got. If they were like, you can wear a costume to school, I was like, yeah, I got one. Here she comes. Felicity, everybody knew. She's coming out. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Now, what are your daughters dressing up as? The one dressed as Christy from, oh, from Babysitter's Club. Yeah, she put on her softball cute. jersey and wore a backwards hat. And oh. uh, yeah, it was very cute. And then, but my younger one just, you know, dressed as like a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> from some unicorn book, you know, but um. Yeah. So it does feel like a, a special kind of sacred time. Um, but yeah, so many things from historical, just kind of taking that interest in in history, um, in wanting to learn more about people that came before me, even like now as an adult, I think about like ancestry and all of that kind of thing. Like I think so much of that was really just like 
tickled, you know, um, right. by th- these books and, and, and the interest in it, um, you know, yeah, historical clothing, you know, even the idea of horseback riding and, um, or needlepoint or, um, gardening, victory gardening, you know, like all of these things that just really kind of connected you with a more kind of natural way of life. Yeah. Where the the interest in that was, was, was started there. So, and now it's carried on to me being a professional costumer and, (laughs) You know, it just all makes so much sense when I right. when I think back on it. What oh, are yeah. some of the Love that. what are some of the performances that you're currently working on and what are the costumes? What do they entail? Yeah. So um at UNC School of the Arts, um, in the School of Dance, we do four main stage productions a year and so they're just, um, each production is a mix. Um, it is a university. It's also a high school. So it's rare in that sense that we have, um, anyone from age like 14 to 22, um, studying to be a professional dancer. So it's intensive training. Um, yeah. So, I mean, anything from leotards to tutus to, um, I mean, sometimes it's pedestrian wear jeans and I'm dying things. I'm painting things. I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty much like today I dyed fabric all day long. Um, so, you know, and it's, wow. and it's funny because, even like we, the magazines were like so focused on crafting, you know, yes, like they really were. And Definitely. I, and so I think that just like really helped kind of like feed my, like, I was already interested, but it made it like cool, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, like I'm going to get my friends together. Like, and we're going to do this craft because I love doing crafts, but if it's in a <laughs> magazine, then like maybe they'll want to do it too. Right. Um, yes. So I'm still just like crafting all day. <laughs> yes. oh, that's such a fun painting, way to look at sewing. it. Yeah. I mean, some days it's really hard and stressful. I'm not going to lie. You know, like, again, I said there are 300 students and there are three people that work in our shop. So um, we make a lot of costumes, um, but, um, but it's like anyone who works in the arts. I think you don't do it for anything other than it's just what you love to do. And and I still love working with kids. I mean, I, I think that was one of my favorite things about working at AG. And it's one of my favorite things about working in university now is just really being able to see and feel like you are getting to support people's growth in their artistry and seeing them become more of who they are going to be as people in this world. That's beautiful. You know? That is such a beautiful yeah. sentiment. Now, Marissa, this is a question we love to have all of our AGW guests answer. And that is what lasting impression did American girl leave on you? That's such a great question. I think the lasting impression changes with my season of life, to yeah. be honest. I think I can think back and look at things differently now as a mom then I might have, you know, at different stages of life. But I think ultimately what I take away from it is that the world is bigger than you. You are important and you have something to give and to share, but you are a part of a family, a part of a community, part of a culture, and it all goes beyond you. I think that might be the lasting impression. Yeah. I love that. Wow. And so well said. So beautiful. And I don't think we've had that sentiment shared before on the podcast. So that's a really, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love this question because everybody takes something different away from American girl and some people are very light and some people get a little more heartfelt, but to Lindsay's point, we've never heard that exact perspective. So I, I'm, you know, so excited to hear if that resonates with anybody else in our community too. Yeah. And I love that. And especially with like the American girl characters, like they all go through their hardships, but they're not alone in them. Like they're affecting family members and friends. And sometimes they have to make really difficult decisions and see their way through them. Right. I think it's so interesting too, because I I feel like a lot of the stories kind of begin with the, with the girl feeling like she has to solve the problem. That there is this injustice or this situation that she finds, realizes that she is passionate about and the emotion is so big and 
she has to do something about it. And then in the end realizes that it's not all on her, you know, right. her, her friend is there or her family is there or both, you know? And I think that's a really great lesson for kids to that. We, you know, that you're not alone and that it's, it's cool. Like it's, it's impressive to, you know, and you can be brave and you can be strong and you can be a leader, but you don't have to do it all on your own. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation. <laughs> We're going to end our conversation with a fun little activity. So okay. Marissa, you gave us one of your favorite celebrities. <laughs> And the question we have for you is who would Kate Middleton, Princess of Wales, have as an American girl doll if she were to have one? It's so obviously Samantha. Like (laughs) immediately hands down. (laughs) It is Samantha, like no doubt about it. I I wonder if she had Samantha. Um, well she's not American girl, so maybe not, but um Uh, yeah, I think she's totally a Samantha, but, but I do see elements of Felicity in her as well. Like she's, you know, she's, Felicity wasn't like sporty per se, but she was definitely interested in things that, you know, were not typically female. And, um, Catherine is like, obviously like into sports and she's always participating in all of the activities everywhere that she goes. So, yeah. So I think in that way, She's actually probably personally, she's probably more like Felicity, but just like looks wise, she's definitely more of a Samantha. And of course, like being more like posh and, you know, upper right. class. Um, yes. So maybe yes. a mix between them. Yeah. Well, something that I thought around the time when a lot of the Queen's funeral services were being televised was that mm-hmm. Princess Charlotte wore a hat and jacket combo to one of those events that I thought was such a Samantha vibe. The hat mm. reminded me a lot of what Samantha's like me outfit hat was like. So it was like sort of like a very medium sized brim worn like more on the back of her head with like a ribbon um tied around the back. And I thought it was such a Samantha look. I loved it on her. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it might have even been a velvet as well. I thought she looked like Mary Lennox. But again, just kind of like all around that same like genre, the whole cottage core, like I don't know. I just, um, I can see why it's coming back into popularity because our whole generation like basically grew up on it. (laughs) Yes, totally. It's in the zeitgeist forever. A lot of it is so timeless too, that it's, you know, even if it goes through phases of being in and out, I think especially like Samantha's look and story is something that people are still captivated by today. I feel like a lot of her outfits really lended themselves to like a 90s appropriation. Like I feel like my mom dressed me a lot like Samantha, but I feel like you could still dress yes, a kid like Samantha. Ruffles and collars and <laughs> also like Kirsten's red boots. Like those are so 90s, like so 90s, you know, you needed a red lace up boot in the 90s. <laughs> It's timeless, though. It's timeless. Totally. Um, Yeah. It's so funny because I think, like, looks-wise, I was much more into Kirsten. Like, I – I mean, in my daily look. Like, I wanted, like, a pinafore, like, a little, you know, a little apron and, like, a prairie dress. Yeah. Um, But but dolls-wise, I think Felicity's clothes in general will always be my faves. I don't know. That spring outfit is just – Oh my god! We absolutely love Felicity's summer dress—the white Mm -hmm. dress with the ribbon. Yes, that's the one I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that is absolute perfection. And if it only came in adult sizes, I would. I went through a phase where all I wanted to do was my for my mom to take me to Michael's and get me a straw hat and ribbon and flowers and just give me a glue gun and just like let me glue ribbons and flowers to a straw hat and like be be myself in my straw hat like I wanted it so bad like and I think a big part of that was Felicity's hat 
I want to do that right now. I'm going to go to Michael's <laughs> after this. And wouldn't that be funny if we just all, if it was like a challenge and we all just went to Michael's and got a straw hat and decorated it in our best, like AG bonnet way. Totally. Oh my that's goodness. Such a fun activity. Oh, I love We've that. Keep that in mind for mm-hmm. a, a meetup activity. If we ever right? do like a podcast meetup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously, Laura, let's write that one down. <laughs> that would be incredible. That's so funny. Yeah. I think, yeah, like just the the amount of detail that I like that went into all of the costumes and the accessories and everything was just so amazing. Like, oh, yeah. Anyways, we could keep talking about all the things, all the things. Yeah. (laughs) No, but you're, you're so right. The detail is like what made it because even the things that you are so throwaway, like, matter you know like what the buttons are made out of matters what the tights being like real like tights like that samantha would wear like with those like little fishnet knee-high stockings kirsten socks are like actually knitted socks yeah they were knitted by little needles (laughs) (laughs) the tiniest needles (laughs) you know like i remember like addie's um lunch box being like a gourd and it was like an an actual gourd back then like it wasn't plastic like I have like a real gourd right yeah like I just all all of that was just so amazing and like the food all the little like miniature foods and oh my god like that's the kind of stuff where again with the setup and everything like just just setting it up and looking at it and holding it and appreciating all of the the detail and and the dressing them and the doing their hair and I think just really just letting yourself be totally sucked in by the detail of it all. Sure. Well, I'm so happy that, you know, that kind of came full circle for you, Marissa, and into your life working as someone in the theater space and performances and uh, doing costume work. It's Mm -hmm. really incredible to have that lifelong interest um, become your you know, future pursuit. It's really amazing. Thanks. I'm, I'm happy that I went this way. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, on that note, it was just absolutely incredible connecting with you. We are so honored to have you on our podcast and to have this conversation. I know our listeners listening in right now are probably so thrilled to hear all of this detail and insight from your time at AG and beyond. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me. It was really nice to walk down memory lane and talk with some fellow American girl women. <laughs> so, thanks. Ah, thank you. And now where could everybody find you after this? Yeah. So I run the Instagram for the UNCSA dance costume shop. Um, so if you want to follow UNCSA dance costume shop, you can see all of the fun costumes that I get to work on on a daily basis. Well, thank you everybody so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.